Hi everyone! From Brooklyn, New York, this is Kajok, a podcast about the joys, the struggles, and the beauty of being Asian American. My name is Chien. My name is Greg. And we are the folk soul duo Chien and Greg. And we are also the hosts of this podcast. Welcome to our first official episode. In today's episode, I will be sharing my story about reclaiming my name. I recently decided to reclaim my birth name, Chien, and surrender my anglicized name, Chi. This episode opens with me reading a letter called, My Name is Chien. In the second half of this episode, I talk about what it was like to grow up as one of the only Asian Americans in my extremely white communities in Northern Virginia, how that affected the way I viewed myself, and how the last two years of extreme anti-Asian racism and violence has led me to an Asian American awakening and ultimately the decision to reclaim my birth name. This podcast is completely supported by you, the listener. Please support Kajok on Patreon at patreon.com slash Chien and Greg. That's patreon.com slash Chien and Greg. Thank you so much. I hope this episode resonates with you. Hi, friends. As we close out this year, I want to share a big personal announcement with you all. My name is Chien. I am reclaiming my name. I will no longer be going by the name Chi. You can address me as Chien from this moment forward. It feels incredibly vulnerable, exposing, and liberating to share this monumental life change with you all. Honestly, I wish I could have been Chien in all circles for my entire life. Over the past two years, as I've witnessed an exponential surge in anti-Asian racism, violence, and xenophobia, alongside the explosive representation of Asians and Asian Americans in mainstream media, music, and Hollywood, I've been digging deeper into my own anti-Asian racist experiences and my own relationships with my Korean and Asian identities. I've also been on a much longer journey, a 33-year-long journey, of trying to figure out who I am, where I come from, and how to exist in this world. Let's start from the beginning. On September 21st, 1988, I was born at Severance Hospital in Seoul, South Korea. The name I was given at birth was Chien. My name was given to me by my mother. Chien means wisdom and mercy. My mom named me Chien because she wanted me to grow in wisdom and generously share that wisdom with others. I actually only found out her personal reason for naming me Chien a couple weeks ago, and when she told me, I cried. It felt like a fulfilled prophecy. Back in the late 1980s, the English language was still pretty foreign to the majority of Koreans. The immigration office employees did the best they could to help people spell their names, but without an official way of correctly transliterating Korean names into English, there was plenty of room for subjectivity and error. And that's how Jian became Chi. In 1990, once we got to America, everyone I knew still called me Jian. But my mom was still grappling with my American name, Chi. She wasn't completely satisfied with Chi, and she knew she would have to decide on a name before I started school, a name that my teachers and classmates would call me. For the next two years, she kept searching for a better way to spell my name. I remember as a kid, my mom had me try out the name G-H-I, 
G for a while. But at some point during kindergarten, my mom changed her mind and told me I would be going by the name Chi from now on, a name I had never even heard before. But I would only be called Chi at school. At home, I was still Qian. You can imagine how confusing this would be for a four-year-old who just traveled across the world, moved to a foreign country, had to learn a foreign language, and is now living thousands of miles away from her family, her home, and everything she's ever known with no say in the matter. And now she has to adopt a totally different name, but only in certain spaces. As a little girl, when I would hear the name Chi, I remember thinking, that's not my name. My name is Jian. I remember not liking the name Chi because it wasn't my name. But it was the name that was on my teacher's roster. It was the name on all my official documents. And it was the name my mom told me to go by at school. I was only four years old, so I didn't know how to make decisions for myself yet. I didn't know I had the right to go by what I wanted to be called, despite what was on my teacher's roster. I didn't know how to spell Jian either. I had no choice but to go by Chi. So in the fall of 1993, when I was in kindergarten at Cardinal Forest Elementary School in Springfield, Virginia, I was first referred to as Chi. At the age of four, I had to learn how to be Chi. Growing up and even into adulthood, I was the victim of endless name-based racism, bullying, and discrimination. People would taunt me at school, calling me Chico, Chichi, Chichichia, Chia Pet, Cheese, Chicharrones, Chunko. The list goes on. People would say, do you know your name means boy in Spanish? Oh my gosh, is your name Chi as in racist motion of making centered prayer hands while bowing? Chi? Oh, like chi as in your inner chi? Doesn't your name mean energy in Chinese? I have a dog named Chi Chi. Until this year, I've always introduced myself as Chi CHI. I spell it out for people in advance because 99% of the time, they don't know what I'm saying. Jean? She? Shy? Kai? To make things easier for people, I have said, it's like cheese without the Z. At one point, I grew so frustrated with my name that I just told people they could call me whatever they wanted. You can call me Chi, Chico, Chi Chi. You can even call me Bob. I literally said this to people. I hated when people asked me what my name meant. When people asked me what Chi meant, I could never tell them because in Korean, Chi doesn't mean anything. I also felt obligated to give people a whole explanation about the incorrect transliteration of my name. I would say, well, actually, Chi is only half of my name. Un is the second half of my name, but actually, neither are the correct spellings or pronunciations of my actual name. My mom didn't make things easier for me either. When I asked her what my name meant, she would just say, it means you're going to make your parents proud. So I would just tell people that. And they would usually respond by laughing and saying, wow, that's so Asian. 
I didn't realize it at the time, but all of these experiences were incredibly traumatizing for me. My name was constantly being tossed around, butchered, mangled, mocked, and disrespected. I would have so much anxiety every time I had to introduce myself. Because of all the name-based racism and trauma I experienced, I became incredibly embarrassed and ashamed of my name. I hated my name. And because my name and my Asian identity were inextricably linked, I also hated being Asian. The name Chi made me feel undeniably Asian, which was the last thing I wanted to be in the overwhelmingly white spaces I grew up in. Growing up in Northern Virginia, being Asian felt like something I was supposed to hide, erase, or get rid of. Being Asian made me feel different from everyone else around me, and I wanted so badly to fit in and be normal. I wanted to be Kelly, Lauren, Madison, Ashley, literally anyone but Chi. Chi felt weird, ugly, and foreign. Sadly, those three things felt synonymous to me. Throughout my 31 years of living in America, anti-Asian racism has always been widely accepted and normalized. It has always felt like a universal truth that we all knew and understood. We can all be racist towards Asians. This gross, widespread acceptance of anti-Asian racism was constantly being reflected back to me as well. At school, at my parents' small businesses, at the grocery store, on TV, and in movies. It felt impossible to fight against it. Because of the widespread acceptance of anti-Asian racism in America, there was no space for me to demand that people treat me and the Asian community with the dignity and respect we deserved. If I ever called people out for being racist towards Asians, they would gaslight me, criticize me for being too sensitive, and label me as the angry Asian. No Asians in the movies or TV shows I watched ever stood up against anti-Asian racism either. The few times I ever saw an Asian person on screen, they usually were one-dimensional characters that were grossly stereotyped, mocked, and humiliated. Lane and Mrs. Kim in Gilmore Girls. Agent Lee in Rush Hours 1, 2, and 3. Fook Me and Fook You in Austin Powers. Mr. Miyagi in The Karate Kid. Long Duck Dong in 16 Candles, and Mr. Chow in The Hangover. The list goes on. There was no space for me. There was no space for us. We were made invisible. Over time, our extreme lack of authentic representation in media, along with the widespread acceptance of anti-Asian racism in America, had a severe impact on the way I saw myself. The way white people viewed me heavily shaped how I viewed myself. And gradually, I learned to internalize racist thoughts and beliefs against myself and my community. I learned to hate the Asian parts of me. I distanced myself as far as I possibly could from my Korean and Asian identities. I erased the Korean and Asian parts of me. I tried to act more white, look more white, talk more white, and be more white. 
It's like the saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. Over the last two years throughout the pandemic, I've watched countless Asian Americans get brutalized in the streets, have their homes, vehicles, and businesses vandalized, and have racist hate speech hurled at them. I myself have personally experienced multiple incidents of anti-Asian racism this year. According to the organization Stop AAPI Hate, the number of anti-Asian hate crimes that have been reported since the beginning of the pandemic until September 2021 has risen to a staggering 10,370 cases. I watched 61-year-old Noel Quintana get slashed across the face with a box cutter on the L train on his way to work while an entire train car full of people sat in silence and watched him bleed. I watched 65-year-old Vil Makari get knocked to the ground and kicked in the face in Times Square as she was walking to church for Easter Sunday service while two doormen of a nearby luxury apartment building silently stood by, watched, and even closed the door on her. And along with the rest of the world, I watched Sunjung Park, Hyunjung Grant, Yong Yu, Sunja Kim, Zhao Jie Tan, and Dao Yu Feng get shot and killed in the Atlanta spa shootings. In the early hours of March 17th, 2021, when I found out that the night before, six Asian women had been targeted and murdered by a white man in a shooting spree at several spas in Atlanta, Georgia, something broke inside me. I hated hearing news anchors and reporters mangle these women's beautiful names. I hated hearing the sheriff's captain validate the murderer's egregious actions by claiming he had a really bad day and he had a sex addiction. I hated seeing this negative light being cast over these six women just because of where they worked. Even in death, these women could not be respected. For an entire year, I watched thousands of Asian Americans get slain day after day while the news barely reported on any of it. For an entire year, I noticed that the only people who seemed to be concerned and enraged about Asian bodies and Asian lives were the ones within the Asian American community. For an entire year... I was reminded of my childhood, adolescence, and adulthood, and all the racism and discrimination I had quietly endured, and all the racism and discrimination I watched my parents quietly endure. For an entire year, I was reminded of all the times I swallowed my rage because no one would protect us. No one would speak up for us. And no one would stand up for us. When the Atlanta spa shootings happened, it was the end for me. It was the end of staying silent when people blatantly disrespected my community. 
It was the end of hiding my Korean and Asian identities. It was the end of code switching. It was the end of worshiping whiteness. It was the end of centering white voices. It was the end of holding on to relationships with people who did not make space for all of me. It was the end of being embarrassed and ashamed of who I am. The Atlanta spa shootings was also the beginning for me. It was the beginning of reclaiming my Korean and Asian identities. It was the beginning of using my voice to protect my community. It was the beginning of being proudly, unapologetically Korean and Asian. It was the beginning of reclaiming who I am and who I have always been. It was the beginning of finally learning how to center myself in my own life. Reclaiming my name is an act of resistance. It's my way of proudly claiming who I am and where I come from. To reclaim my name is to reclaim myself. Through the reclamation of my name, I hope to shift the perception of what a normal American name actually is. I hope to give other Asian Americans and people of color the space to resist assimilation, cultural erasure, and self-erasure, and firmly hold onto their cultural roots. I hope to give other immigrants and immigrant kids the space to be proud of their beautiful names and the rich cultures that they come from. And I hope to inspire others to stay true to who they are and not contort themselves for the sake of others. I want to reclaim Jian because she is me and I am her. I want to be one person in all spaces, not one person constantly code switching between two cultures, two worlds, and two identities. I want to reclaim Jian because I want to proudly be who I am and who I've always been. I don't want any part of me to be altered or erased for the sake of making other people who are unfamiliar with Asian names feel comfortable. I deserve to feel comfortable in this one life, in this one body I've been given. In the words of Tandiway Newton in the reclamation of her own name earlier this year, I'm taking back what's mine. The truth is, our names are and have always been beautiful. We are and have always been beautiful. To my parents, I am Chiyun. To my family, I am Chiyun. To my aunts, uncles, cousins, and grandparents, I am Chiyun. To any Korean I have ever met or to any Korean I will ever meet, I am Chiyun. I have always been and I will always be Chiyun to them and to me. Chiyun is a beautiful name. It is my name and it feels like home. 
Thank you for joining me in this monumental transition, friends. Feel free to reach out to me with words of encouragement, support, and love. Love always, Chien. That was a letter that I wrote at the end of 2021 that I sent out to my community and really the world, letting everyone know that I will be reclaiming my name, Chien, and I will no longer be going by the name Chi, which is the name that I've been going by in America for pretty much the entire time that I've lived here. Yeah. I mean, it's been like a long journey and obviously like you put a lot of months uh, into writing this and to getting to this space. And so, you know, I already know the answer to this, but do you want to speak more to, to why you're choosing to go by your name? Yeah. So I feel like I have just been on this journey of self-exploration and self-discovery for years now. Um, I feel like it really started for me in, t- in 2010 when I went to Honduras. Like that was like the beginning of my self-exploration. I feel like up until that point, I was living a pretty whitewashed life. And when I went to Honduras, my senior year of college, I went with an organization called Students Helping Honduras um, on a spring break trip. And it was an eight-day service trip where we helped build, sc- help build schools in Honduras with this organization called Students Helping Honduras. And that trip really opened my eyes to the importance of culture and family and that a diverse culture is beautiful and where we come from is beautiful. And I think watching the Honduran people just be themselves made me think about, well, who am I? Where do I come from? And that really was the beginning of it. Obviously, like in Honduras, when I went to Honduras my senior year of college, I was 21. So, and and now I'm 33. And so it's been a long time of me just unpacking and unlearning a lot of different things. But I feel like it really exponentially went like this desire to know who I am and be more connected with my Korean heritage really just spiked as the coronavirus happened. So after, you know, in March of 2020, when the coronavirus came to the United States, Chinese people and China was being blamed by Donald Trump and, and a lot of other news outlets as well. And so Asians were then being targeted, no matter if they were Chinese or not. Not that it's okay if you're Chinese, but just all East Asians were being targeted as the reason why COVID was here. And that, I feel like watching our elderly and women and men and children getting beaten and, and attacked and blamed for this virus had me start to think more about my own identity and my own relationship with my identity. And um, I had already been on this journey, like I said, since 2010. And after I went to Honduras, I moved to New York and I lived in New York by myself for like a year and a half. Then I moved to California to work for an organization called Liberty in North Korea. And I lived out in 
in I lived in Harper City in Long Beach and I had never lived around that many Asian people in my life. And so I feel like these experiences really kind of continue to um, like give me space to think about who I am and where I come from like living in New York and then living in California and working for Liberty North Korea, which is a nonprofit that rescues and resettles North Korean refugees that are hiding in China. And so, yeah, I feel like I've just been kind of like steadily on this journey. In 2016, you and I moved here uh, to New York City. And yeah, I've just been, I think, I think also being a musician and an artist makes me think about things more deeply than maybe the average person who just has a regular job. I feel like when you're writing songs and you're writing songs about yourself, you really have to be introspective. And so I have been doing a lot of digging and a lot of work. And I started going to therapy in 2017 or in 2018. And so I have been doing a lot of unpacking of my trauma. And I didn't realize how much racism played a part in my trauma. Um, And so... Yeah, I feel like, you know, this is kind of a convoluted answer, but it's just like I have been on this journey and I feel like I've been unlearning and learning things for the past, you know, 10 years. And I feel like the coronavirus just brought everything to a head and and I think it did this for so many other people, too. So many other Asian Americans, so many people of color. And, you know, the things that we put up with, we're no longer willing to put up with anymore. At least that's for me. I'll speak for myself. The things that I used to put up with, I'm no longer willing to put up with anymore. And I think it took a while to get to this point. But over the past two years of of watching people get harassed and, and experiencing that harassment myself, I'm just like... I'm so done and I feel like my boundaries have been crossed way too many times and I've just let it happen and I've just ignored it, put my head down, just let it go. But but it doesn't go anywhere. You know, when you shove it down, it just creates a pile internally and it's just all repressed, but it's all in there. And so I feel like I'm so far away from your question now, but... No, I mean, you're saying like that it's a convoluted answer, and I don't think so. I mean, I think that, you know, you have a lifetime worth of, you know, being chi, and then a lifetime as well of being uh, jian in, in like other spaces. And so it's complicated. And as you're beginning to kind of like unpack all of this, it's just not really something I guess that you can concretely explain because you have a lifetime of experiences. And so, you know, I also wanted to ask about, uh, just like the code switching, um, Mm. where we've had conversations about how Chi was protecting Jian Mm -hmm. throughout your life. Mm -hmm. And, um, could you speak some more to, to like that sort of dynamic between the two names? Yeah. I actually kind of want to go back to your first question, though, because I feel like I didn't answer your question about how I decided to come to the Jian point, like what brought me there. Um, And then I'll answer the question about code switching and how Chi was protecting Jian. I think when I decided 
like I, I can't even remember the moment that I decided like I'm going to go by Jian. But it kind of happened gradually. Like, first of all, Jian is what I'm called by my parents. My parents have always called me Jian. My family in Korea, my family in America, they all call me Jian. And anytime I introduce myself to somebody in Korea or someone who's from Korea, I introduce myself as Jian. I would never introduce myself to those people as Chi. Um, and so after the Atlanta shooting happened, I felt like I felt invisible, I think. I felt like I didn't matter. I mean, I was I felt so many different things. I felt rage. I felt frustration because this had been happening. This type of behavior, this anti-Asian racist behavior had been happening for a year and nobody like it was not getting the attention that it needed to get. And so I think when I when this happened, I felt the need to be more visible and I had always felt like my name was not representative of where I came from. So my name, legal name, my legal name is Chi Un Ko. So that's spelled C-H-I. My middle name is Un, U-N, and my last name is Ko, K-O. And so my name had been taken apart once we came to America, immigrated here, you know, like because of the language differences between English and Korean, my first name had been split into two names, first name Chi, second name Un, instead of Chi Un as one name. And so I had always felt like that's not really my name, but I didn't know that I had the authority to go by whatever I wanted to go by, whatever, like, and, and when you're a kid and people tell you this is your name, you just say, okay, you don't say, that's not my name. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I never thought that I could say that's not my name. And so, um, yeah, like I think after the shooting happened, I wanted to be more visible as a Korean American woman, especially because these other women were also Korean American that were shot and killed. And even seeing the spellings of their names, like I just was like, this is not really the spelling of your name. Um, you know, their names had been chopped apart and split up as well when they came to America. And that bothered me. And so, um, yeah, I, I know of other people who have, I know a lot of Korean people who have their middle name as their Korean name and their first name is Sarah. So that's like Sarah Yunjong Kim or something, right? And so I was like, you know what? Maybe Chi is just my American name and Jiun can be my middle name and then I'll feel more visible as a Korean person because my name has just always felt clunky and inaccurate and so yeah I started to put I changed my email from which this is a whole nother story but my email used to be boy in Spanish because chi co in Spanish means boy and I was told that many many times growing up even into adulthood and so I made my email boy in Spanish and so I changed that to chi chien co as my email, chichiunco at gmail.com. And so that was following the shooting that I did that. And that felt safer to me. That felt more true to who I am. Here's my American name. Here's my Korean name. And then here's my last name. 
And eventually, you know, I think as I was digging more into my Asian American identity, talking to other Koreans and Asian Americans about their names and and just talking to them about their experience in America and being Asian American in America in general, I eventually came to a place of thinking about Jian being my actual name. And I can't remember what happened that got me there. But I know that going to this church that I started going to in September, I believe, um, it's a church that is that has many Asian Americans that go there. And I think even just having a space where I don't have to explain myself, I'm not invisible, and other people understand who I am without me having to explain myself to them or explain my experiences as an Asian American woman to them. I think just having that space naturally made me feel safer to explore the idea of being fully me, an experience that I've never considered myself like I just didn't think that I could have that space. And so to go to a church, to make a choice to go to a church that is predominantly Asian American made me feel safe to choose Chien. And so I started small. I started, I, I shared with my small group that I had been thinking about this and I've been thinking a lot about names. And I, I told them that I had been thinking about maybe starting to tell people at church that my name was Jian, but I thought, you know, I've already started meeting people, so maybe that's going to be kind of weird. And they were all really supportive, and they were like, no, that's not weird at all. Like, that would be awesome. We could totally do that for you. And they all said my name together at one time, and they all said Jian. And I remember feeling so seen, and I felt, like emotional and I felt like crying and yeah it was like it was a really beautiful experience and I think that really gave me the courage to continue to explore this desire that I had to be me to be fully me and through a ton of research so much research on YouTube, reading articles about people reclaiming their names, both Asians and and actually a lot of people. Uh, I, I actually watch a lot of videos of people from Africa who had experienced similar things that I had in terms of reclaiming their names or wanting to reclaim their names or wanting to even anglicize their names or just take on a completely different name altogether to fit in, to assimilate. And so I think watching these videos, reading these articles was really affirming to me of my struggle, but also my desire to be fully seen and fully known at the same time. I think it's it's both, right? We want to be fully seen and fully known, but then we also just want an easy life and we just don't want to have to deal with people being like, what, what's your name? Like that stuff. And so it's a complicated situation, but ultimately what do I want? I want to be fully known, fully me, fully seen, fully understood. And I felt, you know, it was a long road to getting to a place of, okay, I'm going to officially do this. But 
um, I got there and and honestly, I got there, but but I'm not even really there. Like it's it's a whole process after you reclaim your name. It's a process of getting comfortable being called this name that you were only called in these safe spaces and now opening that up to other people like that's it's really vulnerable, you know, to open that up to other people and say, hey, call me by this name that only my parents and only my family and only people who are who share my heritage call me, call me that, you know, and so it's been this really you know, it, it, it has felt clunky and at times I have felt like, oh my God, I just want to be Chi again or, you know, oh, I shouldn't even do this, you know. So I have been feeling those things, but ultimately I want to continue moving forward as Tian and I don't want to, you know, go back on this choice at all because it just feels true to me despite the discomfort, like the discomforting feelings that come up in the process of, of reclaiming my name so yeah yeah I mean you've done a lot a lot a lot of work um and like the amount of work that you have to do to change your name and the amount of courage that it takes to change your name is just crazy um because yeah it is super vulnerable and you could get some pushback people could choose not to call you that people could say your name wrong people Mm -hmm. are going to ask you how do you pronounce your name it's just like uh the work continues right you did all of this work all of this research um i mean hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of research i'd see you up like late at night midnight watching videos on youtube or reading articles and journaling and just kind of processing through this and just trying to because you know i think before before the videos and things like that, like you're kind of on your own, you know, like you're the only one by yourself that, you know, in your circles that is going through this process right right now. And you have to, you're having to like validate it to yourself that this is something that you can do or you should do or or, it's worthy of, or it's worthy or it's, you know, or it's even possible uh, to do. And so, yeah, I mean, a lot of this work for you, I feel like has been just like validating to yourself that like that, yeah, it's worthy and it matters. And like, of course it matters. But I think to get to the point of recognizing that it matters takes a lot, a lot, a lot of courage um, in order to get there. So, you know, I know you said we were going to go back and talk about the code switching. We can or just keep going. It's up to you. Should we turn brown noise off? No, just keep it on. Okay. Because <laughs> then it's going to be not in there and it's going to be noticeable. I don't hear it in the headphones. So. Okay. Okay. Yes. Um, good. Well, I do want to talk about the code switching. Um, yeah. So something that I realized in the process, honestly, it's something that you realized in the, was it me or you? I don't know what you're about oh. to say. Okay. So in the process of reclaiming my name and doing all of this research and journaling and processing and reflecting I think what I realized I know what I realized was that Chi acted as a shield to protect Qian because it was already hard to exist in this world as Chi it was already just hard to exist in this world as an Asian American girl period but Chien 
was was too vulnerable to exist in this world and so chi yeah in in the processing of like i was sad about losing the name chi because chi has felt like so like who i am because i am called chi in a lot of spaces and so i think the the thought of losing chi made me feel like oh i'm abandoning chi or i'm I'm losing this person, you know, and like, obviously I don't lose her. I'm still, that person is still in me, but we're just integrating the two people, the Jian and the Chi. And in therapy, my therapist and I have talked about this little girl inside who doesn't feel safe to be heard or to speak up. And then we also talk about this other person who lives inside of me who is strong and always protecting me and always defending me. And the way that my therapist talked about these two people before was little girl Chi and Sergeant Chi. These were the names that a previous therapist had had talked about these two people as for me. And what I realized was that Chien is the little girl Chi and the person that my therapist said was Sergeant Chi is actually Chi and these people have names and I think that was so crazy to me because it felt so true like yes Chi has been protecting me Chi has been a shield Chi was my way of assimilating it was an Anglo it was anglicization that's not the word the anglicized version of my name is chi right a part of my name is chi right and so that was my way of fitting in that was my way of people understanding who I am right but it's only part of who I am it's actually only half technically of my name right and so um yeah I think I think something that you pointed out because we do these morning talking times we'll, where where we'll sit uh, together in the kitchen and we'll talk for an hour about where we're at and how we feel and then we'll pray and then we do this thing where we put our hands in and we go, one, two, three, aja, aja, fighting. And during that talking time, uh, you had mentioned, you know, it's like Chi protected you and Chien was the little girl and I was just like, total brain explosion like oh my gosh you're right and so yeah that was really crazy and yeah chi made it I think having an American quote-unquote American name which is chi and having a Korean name which is chien lent itself to code switching because I had a completely different name in these other spaces in these white or non-Korean spaces, I had another name. And then in these Korean spaces, I had another name. So then, yeah, I feel like kind of getting rid of that name Chi and just being Chien makes it so that it's easier for me to not code switch. Right. You're more um, integrated. Yeah. 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 And honestly, I feel like the integration process is also going to be like a lifelong journey for me because I don't feel fully integrated. I feel like owning the name Chien feels like a beginning step of integration, but I don't really feel fully integrated because I think when I hear people say my name as Chien, a little bit of me feels like too exposed. 
you know, like, oh, God, no, that doesn't I don't do that or I can't show up like that or something that I've been feeling a lot is that's too Asian. Like you're you're being too Asian, like you're Asian showing. Not that Chi doesn't sound Asian, you know, but like but Chiyun just feels too Asian, don't want to be too Asian. And that was something growing up and even into adulthood and, you know, throughout my life that I have felt like don't be too Asian. Just be Asian enough, which basically means be the most watered down version of yourself until the world can accept different parts of you. Until the world says, oh, Korean food, that is that it's Korean food is delicious. Then you can start to share. Well, I eat Korean food or when people talk about, you know, when the movie Minari comes out and they show what an immigrant like a Korean immigrant family looks like, then I feel more brave to be like, this is my family, you know, but. I don't know where I'm going with this. No, I mean, yeah. I think, I think like you're totally, I mean, obviously you're, you're right. Um, but it's just like, uh, Chien is sacred yeah. and that was your childhood. That was your parents. That was what happened in your house. That was the food you ate, the movies you watched, the music you listened to, where you went out to eat with your parents, where your parents worked. Like it was, it was all of that and that is sacred and worth protecting but this society doesn't give don't doesn't care mm-hmm. about that about what's sacred to you and so it was something you were made fun of growing up mm-hmm. it was something that you continue to get made fun of for today and and by the code switching you know she is protecting jian Mm-hmm. from being hurt from from being made fun of from being too korean or too x y or z right um, but then when she is constantly protecting chien then chien never gets to be seen even though it's dangerous for her to be out in the world out in america where people are going to say that or make her feel like she's too foreign yeah i think i think i in the process of reclaiming my name I realized that you know the C.S. Lewis quote about love and vulnerability and how when we keep our heart locked in a coffin it becomes cold and it dies and you know we're better when we are out in public even if our heart gets run over a million times it's better for us to be us right and so I feel like that quote really resonated with me in the process of reclaiming my name is, you know, I have been keeping Jian inside locked in a cage, you know, to keep her safe from the world because the world is scary. The world is mean. The world can be dangerous. Right. And so I feel like as a 33 year old, I feel like I can protect Jian and I can confidently stand in a room as Jian and it will still be a process and there will still be times where I don't feel confident and I will want to hide and I'll have because those things are still ingrained in my body right Um, in my history of living 33 years in America but I want to start really claiming and unapologetically being myself because I have felt like in order to exist in white spaces, I have had to erase pretty much all of me except my skin. And that's the only way that I can be accepted in non 
Asian spaces. And yeah, I just I just can't I can't live my life invisible anymore. And I feel like Chien makes me one step closer to visibility. And yeah, it's it's vulnerable. I mean, this is the most vulnerable thing ever. I also want to say C.S. Lewis is this old white dude and did not <laughs> does not know what it's like to grow up as a, a Korean in America. That's true. And have your life. That's you true. know, he never had to experience that white Christian man. You know what I mean? I'm sure he has his own struggles or whatever, sure. but it's like, yeah. And that quote fits. But I just wanted to put that out there because I think that the struggle that you have to go through, it's. It's just like the amount of gaslighting that you have to experience on a daily basis that's trying to keep you in your own shell is mm-hmm. is insanity. And the amount of work that you have to go through and like the community that you have to seek out to to validate like your experience. It's like it's a lot of work. Um, it's an insane amount of work on top of just, you know, surviving. So you put this out there. We've been talking about how vulnerable it was to kind of put this whole thing together and to press send and to put it out there. What's the response been like and how are you processing through all that? How does it feel um, to be going by Chien now in all spaces? That is complicated. Including me saying your name. Because <laughs> I'm not saying it correctly. I know that. Yeah. It's complicated. It's a complicated situation. And I I knew that it was going to be complicated, which is why I did so much research and why it took so long for me to get to this place of deciding to do this. I knew it was going to be a complicated journey. So I feel liberated because I no longer have to feel stuck in something that never felt like it quite fit. So I feel free in that sense. And then simultaneously, I feel exhausted from the, uh, just like anytime I have to introduce myself as Chien, I'm just like bracing for someone to say my name wrong or, yeah. So, So it has been this complicated process, but I have gotten so much positive feedback for, for doing this and people have just been commending me and affirming me for my courage to share my truth and share and to share my story and to share my pain with people and so that's been really nice to hear people affirm me and especially because this has been so hard and I have felt so self-conscious throughout the entire process of doing this and I've gone back and forth and felt insecure and so people really affirming me and and taking taking being intentional about calling me Jian and taking the steps to change their name in my phone in their phones to Jian from Chi that feels really validating and it I think making a name change at 33 feels the insecure voice in me says, that's silly. That's not your name. You've been going by Chi your whole life. How is like, how is this going to help? You're only making your life harder, blah, blah, blah. Right. 
And so that voice is definitely in there. But I feel more now that that voice is much quieter as I step out into my fullness, into my authentic self. And so, yeah, I guess I guess it's complicated. It's it's been amazing. And then it's also been really hard, too. And I think it will only remain hard for a, a while before this answer is so complicated. No, no, keep Sorry. going. This is good. Uh, well, what I was going to say, too, is it's unfair because like I have watched you work for months at this, at putting together this newsletter at making a video at making this decision in the first place at doing all of this research. I mean, going to bed late at night, waking up early in the morning and continuing this journey, you know, and like it's still going and it's like who who would go through all of this like who like it's i never ever have to deal with this i will never have to go through this amount of struggle for probably anything um so just the, with the amount of work and the amount of intentionality and the amount of research and the amount of vulnerability and just effort it takes to do this is immense and you deserve a break. And yet now somehow the work still continues and you keep processing and you keep having to deal with, you know, other people's insecurity around saying your name or other people, you know, whatever other people's stuff and, mm-hmm. in, 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 in dealing with this. And, uh, you deserve a break for sure. Yeah. I feel like, so I feel like the answer that I gave before I was kind of giving it because I felt like I had to say the right thing to not offend anybody. But I think it has just been really hard to be GN if I'm being completely honest. And I want to say that it's just amazing and it's just great. But I also, I feel like it's important to highlight how difficult it is to exist as yourself in this world and it shouldn't be it should be it should be easy it should just be this is me and and we should all be accepting of everyone saying this is me unfortunately when I am myself that triggers insecurity in other people for whatever reason and that makes them feel threatened. And so that's something that I'm experiencing as I continue to take steps into my fullness, into my identity. Not everyone is going to be willing to cross the bridge over to me. This is an analogy that I've been talking to you just today. I brought it up today, but... I, as an Asian American girl, woman, adolescent, tween, whatever, me as an Asian American, I have always had to cross, I always had to cross the bridge to other people to get them to understand me, to get them to understand where I come from, to get them to understand why I speak English so well or why I eat certain foods I have had to cross that bridge or I just. Hold on. I want to explain that again. Sure. 
So I am on one side of the bridge and you, let's say, are on the other side of the bridge. I feel like as Asian Americans and as an Asian American, I have constantly crossed that bridge over to people who don't understand me. So instead of staying where I'm at and being who I am, I surrender who I am and I go over to the other side of the bridge and I just hang out on the other side of the bridge with the other person from the other culture, usually white people. And so then I never get to be seen because these people are never making their way over to my side of the bridge. And something that I no longer want to do is cross that bridge for other people constantly. Can you give an example of what it's like to cross that bridge? What it's like to cross that bridge. Like chi, C-H-I. Right, exactly. Telling people my name when I introduce myself, I say, hi, my name's Chi, C-H-I, which nobody, you know, you have never done. Greg, G-R-E-G. You just wouldn't do that because people know how to spell your name and nobody would have to do that for people to understand who they are, right? But in order to be understood in America, I have learned how to do these things to make white people or non-Asians understand who I am. Chi C-H-I is one of those things. And so, yeah, I just, I don't want to do that for people anymore. I don't want to have to explain myself to people anymore. I just want to exist and I just want to be Chi-in. And if you don't understand who I am, then that's a personal problem for you. But I am going to be me. And if you want to know me, then you can come over to this side of the bridge. Just like if I want to know you, I'm going to have to make my way over to your side of the bridge. But I'm not going to be constantly doing that for other people anymore at the complete expense of myself. So, yeah, I don't know what the I know you don't know what the future holds either. But what I do know is that you deserve to have some rest. Right. And we're just talking about how difficult it's been already for you on this journey. And you have made like so much progress in terms of like, you know, being your most authentic self and self-discovery and all of this. Um, what feels safe right now? And 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 because I mean, you may have a completely different answer for me than me, but like I just I feel like. I would like to see some safeness for you and there may not be any. So I just, what for you in the, for coming in the future, what, what feels safe right now? What feels safe is for people to make space for me to exist as I am and to be curious about who I am and yeah, I don't I don't know that that's going to happen for me in every relationship with every person, but I think I'm totally okay with that. I think what also feels safe is to just be myself. I think for so many years I have felt like I had to contort myself and hedge myself and erase myself and morph myself to fit into the box that would make sense for you, you being people who don't understand me you being non-Asians. And I 
think what feels safe is to no longer do that, to no longer contort my body or to cut parts of my body off to make sense for other people or to be palatable to other people. That feels safe. What feels safe to me is to exist in my fullness and not hide that I eat Korean food or that I have Korean parents or that I was born in Korea or that I speak Korean. I want those things to exist in the same spaces that I speak English, that I eat quote unquote American food, whatever even that is, you know, um, and and and. Yeah, like I am both, right? I am both. And I feel like for so many years, I've just kept the Korean part of me hidden because it's been unsafe to exist as a Korean for me. And yeah, I just want to fully embrace both parts of me, the good and the bad. And yeah, I think I think I want other people to be able to hold space for for all of it, for the pain, for the trauma of the past, for the beauty of being Korean, for the beauty of being in this beautifully diverse Asian community. That feels safe. Yeah. I mean, I know that uh, one of your hopes is just inspiring other people to to go through this and to 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 be their their most authentic self and I hope that, you know, as a, as a community, um, especially, uh, you know, the white community or the, um, just American community in general, um, that we could cross the bridge to you mm-hmm. as opposed to you having to explain every part about yourself, uh, in order for, you know, whatever we white Americans to, to understand. So I do think that mm-hmm. you deserve to, to, to have people cross over and to, to make you feel safe, right. To walk into a room full of white people and not feel like, Ooh, right. You deserve, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. deserve to, to feel like you can be yourself, uh, in whatever space. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you are doing the work and I just hope that happens. Um, I just hope it happens. I hope it happens too and I just want to say I love you and I'm really grateful for you being a part of this journey with me and being my advocate and being my witness Yeah, it's been so hard to even decide to do this. And so I just really appreciate how much you validated me through this process and how much you get angry at the at the injustices that I've had to deal with and I continue to deal with as I claim who I am. So I'm just really grateful. Yeah. For you. And I love you and I'm very 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 proud of you and all of the work that you have done and the amount of fighting and just advocacy that you've done for yourself and, and other people, honestly, I just don't even know how it's even possible. So, yeah. Great. 
So time for some rest for you. <laughs> time for some rest. You need some rest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And some safety. Love you. Especially now. Love you. Okay. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to our first official episode. You can find us on Instagram at Chian and Greg, and you can also learn more about us over on our website at chianandgreg.com. If you'd like to send us some words of encouragement or let us know your thoughts about the podcast, send us an email at kajokthepodcast at gmail.com. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do that at patreon.com slash Greg. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.